Hey there, friends. We have a very special podcast coming up in just a moment, but we wanted to take this opportunity to say, hey, and thank you. Hey to all our new listeners. We know you are out there listening and downloading. We can't see your faces. We don't know who you are, but we do know that you are there. And we just wanted to say welcome. We are so glad that you found us. And a big thank you to all of our listeners, those of you who have been with us since the very beginning and everyone who has come along the way. We are so very thankful for you. This podcast has been a big contribution to the growth of Bellator Society and Bellator Catholic Media. And we are here because you're listening. To that end, we also have a teeny tiny favor. It would mean the world to us if you would take a minute today and write us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's the thing. Reviews are different from ratings. We love our five-star ratings. Please keep them coming, but a written review is huge. It improves our standing with the iTunes and podcast charts. It helps the algorithm know that real people are listening and liking or at the very least interacting with what we're doing here. And our whole goal is to share more goodness from our faith. And if the world needs anything today, it is more goodness pumped into our collective veins. And you can help us do that by rating the podcast, yes, but more importantly, writing a review and sharing it on all your social media platforms, everything, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever we are, we would love it if you would share us there. And again, we are here because you are listening. We know that. And we are so thankful. Enjoy the podcast. This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning, Bellator Society. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy Eddy, and Fran Yeager is in Tennessee. I'm, of course, I'm in Arizona. And if you watched our live stream this week, you saw that we had Natalie Alfaro Frazier. Yeah, on the live stream and I messed up her name then so I've been practicing Um, (laughs) and she is she is so kind and so generous with her time she's joining us on this podcast but we've got a different topic today we're going to act or for the podcast we're actually going to talk about um parenting a little one with special needs specifically ichthyosis which is um the condition her daughter has, and she's going to just share with us a little bit about that and, and kind of what it's like having a child with such special needs and, and how, you know, you really share that as a family and, um, and really, I think probably the redemptive nature of suffering too, probably as a family, I'm sure is something that is close to your heart. So thank you for <laughs> hanging out with us even longer and, yeah. and joining us. Thank you. All right. So what is ichthyosis? Yeah, so that is a great place to start because I had no idea what it was uh, before uh, sweet Olivia entered our lives. Um, So ichthyosis is a rare genetic skin condition. Um, Where it gets even crazier is that ichthyosis is actually an umbrella term, and the umbrella term is still considered rare. (laughs) And within ichthyosis, there are about 20 other types of 
there's 20 types of ichthyosis. Um, so Olivia has a condition called Harlequin ichthyosis. It is one of the most rare types. There are not concrete numbers about how common it is because um, many infants die within the first 30 days, especially wow. outside of the United States or other countries that have more sophisticated medical um, systems in place. So uh, Harlequin ichthyosis, I know of about 200 to 300 individuals that have worldwide that are affected wow. by Harlequin ichthyosis. Um, it is so rare that we actually don't even really know a life expectancy. The oldest known with it is in her 40s and she's doing great and there's no reason to think that there would be any other health complications. Um, largely that life expectancy is low because what I said before, the neonatal care is just so crucial that many of the children that are born with Harlequin ichthyosis don't make it after 30 days. Um, but now that the neonatal care has improved and technology has gotten that information more accessible for folks on what that neonatal care should look like, we're seeing right. more and more kids born and thriving. Um, so as time goes on, those numbers will probably continue to increase and life expectancy will become longer. So we have been told by dermatologists that as far as everyone's concerned, Olivia should live a potentially typical <laughs> life. Um, but life with ichthyosis is far from typical in a lot of ways. So what ichthyosis is, and I said it's an umbrella term. So um, anyone with a type of ichthyosis, uh, it's a skin condition where your skin doesn't function in the same way that other people's skin function. Um, so generally, their um, skin grows, I've heard 10 times faster, I've heard 15 times faster than um, the typical person's skin grows. What that means is that um, her skin, for Olivia, what that means is that her skin often has what we call scaling take place. So um, her skin will get hardened and flaky. Um, so that's one one piece that we deal with. Um, most folks with ichthyosis can't regulate their temperature. So something that I have to remind myself of often is that your skin is actually your largest organ. And it is responsible for temperature regulation. It's your body's first defense for immunity. Um, and so because of that, Olivia can easily overheat. Um, she can even overheat when she's too cold. So it's an issue in the winter and in the summer because yeah. what happens to all of us is that when we get cold, our body starts to warm itself up. Well, Olivia's will go into overdrive and try to warm herself up and then she would overheat. So we always have to be careful with that. Um, wow. She loses, she can't sweat, which is the issue of the temperature regulation as well. Um, wow. And so, she, but she loses a lot of fluid. So dehydration is something that we're always aware of. Um, and then um, let's see, I covered, oh, and then for immunity. So she just is at higher risk for infection. Um, what's crazy about ichthyosis though, is because their skin is growing at such a faster rate, 
Um, we call her skin super skin sometimes because when she gets a cut, uh, there are times where it will be healed by the end of the day. Like you will have no idea that she even had a cut there. Um, wow. Yeah. And so that is great for healing. But then the downside is that if there was bacteria in that cut and we didn't clean it well, it could turn into an infection. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're just kind of always <laughs> uh, vigilant. vigilant, yes, on, on keeping aware of those. But like I said, there's other types of ichthyosis. I still don't know a whole lot about the other ones. We kind of dove headfirst into Harlequin ichthyosis specifically. What makes Harlequin ichthyosis different than the other types is that when Olivia was born, um, she had thick white plaques all over her body. Um, and some kids with ichthyosis, that's for most kids with ichthyosis, that's not how they're born. So we didn't know about Olivia's ichthyosis um, until she was born. Um, and so one of the things that I'm passionate about, as much as I think it's great for the general public to know about ichthyosis, I want every OBGYN and labor and delivery nurse and, <laughs> and medical student to know what Harlequin ichthyosis is because unfortunately what happened with us was that when Olivia was born, the OBGYN panicked. Yeah. Um, it was not a good situation and none of the nurses had seen it before. No one knew what it was. Yeah. The information that we were given at first was leak. Um, and then over time, I just realized that it was just out of people not, not knowing because mm -hmm. it is such a rare condition and there's no way to find out about it through ultrasound. So the only way to do it is genetic testing through like an amniocentesis. Um, would so, that show up on all MDO panels? Like, no. or is that something so you specifically would know to test you have for? To, you have to specifically test for it. So I'm actually currently seven months pregnant right now. <laughs> and um, I got an amniocentesis done with this pregnancy because we just wanted to be prepared. Sure. Um, and this baby doesn't have it, but um, the, our only option was really an amniocentesis. Mm -hmm. And I had to take Olivia's genetic paperwork so that they knew exactly which mutations to look for. So this is what's crazy about Harlequin ichthyosis as well, is that it's a double recessive um, condition, which means that my husband and I both happen to have a mutation on the same gene, but because we're not related, it's a different mutation. Oh my goodness. So the two mutations that Olivia has on that one gene that created Harlequin ichthyosis, one of them has never been detected before. <laughs> and so when we're talking about rare, <laughs> wow. um, there's still a lot we just don't know because one mutation that we don't, we've never seen before, we don't know what other conditions could be connected to that. And so even talking to other families with Harlequin ichthyosis, they have different mutations on the same gene. Um, and so it just, furthers how rare it is right. um, and where the learning comes in. And so the phenotype, so what what Harlequin ichthyosis looks like is the same because it's that mutation on that gene or the two mutations on that gene. Um, and so at birth, it's uh, thick white plaques all over their body. Their eyelids are often flipped outwards because of going through the birth canal, the pressure of that. Um, and so... Um, 
it's a shocking it's a visually shocking experience and it's why the OBGYN panicked. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily the neonatologist that was in the room knew what it was, but had very outdated information. Um, and I'm trying to think of at birth, if there's anything else really um, that was visually different, but um, the reason that the thick white plaques are an important piece to talk about is because out of utero, they start to harden. So in utero, it's nice and warm and humid. Um, and, and that skin is just not sloughing off on its own. Um, so it, it's why it forms the thick white plaques. And out of utero, it starts to harden. And it actually can make it so that the chest, chest cavity cannot fully take breaths. And so wow. Olivia, was in, she was breathing on her own. Um, but she was intubated right away and transferred to... Um, UCSF up in San Francisco. We were living in California at the time. Um, and we quickly just went into like mama bear and papa bear mode um, and learned a whole new world that we never would have thought of. I never had heard the word ichthyosis until that day in the delivery room. Um, another thing is that often kids with ichthyosis are born prematurely. So Olivia was born at 32 weeks. Um, and so she was also unfortunately having to deal with just the reality of yeah. preterm labor and what, what it, it means to be a preemie. Right. Um, and my husband and I are not very big people. So she was bound <laughs> to be small and then she was a preemie. So she was super small. <laughs> she is a tiny, <laughs> tiny yeah. little thing. Yep. Natalie, I'd like to ask a question that's actually yeah. kind of a personal question. And yeah. one, one, really one of the reasons why um, I reached out to you to begin with to, to come on our podcast is, um, you mentioned the, that her condition, uh, you know, when you see it is visually shocking and it still is, I'm sure not just at birth, but even someone who has never seen Harlequin, Harlequin um, ichthyosis before will see her and, and be um, interested in it and even scared because this is where I'm going in the direction. Yeah. My five-year-old was in school with your eldest Oscar and um, Samuel, I mean, we sat in front of you guys at mass for at least a year and Sam didn't even notice I mean, like we would say, oh, look at that sweet baby. And of course, my husband's an emergency pediatrician. He knew what what her condition was. And we, you know, we we wouldn't ask you questions about it. But Sam didn't even notice until recently. And it was like right at Christmas time, he became fascinated to the point of a little bit of embarrassment, actually a lot of embarrassment on my part, because I didn't know how to ask you or let him ask you or how to talk about it in an appropriate way. And can you just give a little bit of insight into how do you prefer that people ask or approach you in talking about Olivia's condition? Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry for Sam and my friend. <laughs> no, it's, um, no it, the reality is that a, it's something that's new for a lot of people and it's something that's new for our family as we um, go forward with this. I feel really lucky. So your husband is an emergency pediatrician. My mom's an oncology nurse. So she has been really helpful in helping me think through how to deal with some of these things just because they are so medically sensitive and it just makes things complicated. But as far as when people see us out and about, especially with kids, I would always encourage kids to just say hello mm-hmm. um, and acknowledge 
Olivia, um, when we were doing the live stream, something that kept coming up for me, sorry to like reference that for folks that haven't seen it, but we were talking about the dignity of life. And I think that that's a huge part of this conversation too, is recognizing that no matter how someone looks or what, how they're mobile or not mobile or whatever it might be, the reality is that they are a human. And especially for kids with visible differences, they know and they're aware of it. And so friendly faces that are just saying hello mm-hmm. help so much. And so just by saying hi, and then it's natural for kids to have questions. And so the what we hear a lot is why is that baby so red or what's wrong with her skin or why does she look like that? Um, and so often our response is I try to save parents <laughs> a little bit because I know I still don't know how to deal with some of these things. Sometimes Oscar very loudly asks me questions in stores and I'm like, I should know how to deal with this because I'm a parent of a kid that has to deal with the other side of it. Yeah. And I still don't know how to respond. Yeah. Um, but saying hello first. And I think if you can encourage your, your child to ask the question directly to the other child. Um, I think another thing that happens a lot with Olivia is that there's a lot of assumption that she's cognitively delayed and she's not. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's something that we just are always aware of as well. So just encouraging whether someone's cognitively delayed or not, ask them individually and then let, if there's a parent around, let the parent then guide how that conversation goes. So um, saying hello and then our kids are not going to be eloquent in the way that they ask questions and that's okay. And I don't think anyone (laughs) expects them to be. So why is that baby so red? Um, And my response, I try to make it as, approachable as possible just that her skin is different than ours Mm -hmm. um but she's okay and she's happy uh, um most of the time (laughs) Um, (laughs) she's a baby (laughs) yeah and that uh and sometimes if i have the space to talk about it i will say her skin just grows really fast and it's kind of like super skin so she has it's kind of like a superpower that she has and that's just if the conversation allows for it to go there but Mm -hmm. um it's been interesting with the uh, with Oscar, who's four and a half, and Olivia's two and a half. Um, how Oscar will sometimes go up to people and say, "That's my sister. She has a skin condition." <laughs> um, when he's <laughs> kind of sensing that yeah. that other kids are looking at her or trying yeah. to figure it out, and honestly, most kids, that's enough. <laughs> They're like, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and other kids will continue to ask questions and we just answer them as appropriately as we can. But I would say that most parents that I've talked to said that what they've heard from their kids is that their kids just want to feel as normal and typical as possible. And so if we can just address it and get it out mm-hmm. of the way and and not make it feel like it's a murmuring conversation behind our back because we can yes it's so hard yeah and so what i would really prefer is like if your kid is asking you like oh my gosh what's wrong with that baby just to almost loudly say why don't you go ask what the baby's name is Mm -hmm. and 
and to just like encourage our children to be bold and um and be willing and then over time they're gonna learn the polite way (laughs) to ask because saying what's wrong with that baby is one Mm -hmm. thing for like a four-year-old to say but it's right different when you're 25 (laughs) um and so just um offering those opportunities for your kids to be bold and practice is what I would encourage. And most of the time you're going to be met with grace and Mm -hmm. charity. The times that I've gotten the most frustrated is when there have been times where kids have said very hurtful things that as a mom, I'm like, excuse me. Like if my kids said that we would be having a major problem. Um, and the parents try to, they're embarrassed. I get Mm -hmm. it, but it compounds the issue when there's some sort of like justification or, Mm -hmm. oh, they didn't mean that it's, well, they said it and like, they meant it. If it was a four or five year old, they actually did mean it. Yeah. So like, (laughs) let's, let's not sugarcoat it because we're not living in a world where things are sugarcoated. And I don't Mm -hmm. really think it's fair than that. You're going to sugarcoat it for your kids. So let's Mm -hmm. just talk about it. And Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's uncomfortable for people, but Mm -hmm. life is uncomfortable with ichthyosis and life is uncomfortable when your kid has a visual difference and you just have to kind of lean into it. Um, And the more that we can have these conversations openly, the less common those situations are. So that's what I would have to say um, as far as how to approach us and there are times when I don't want to talk about it. And sometimes all I say is like, oh, she has a skin condition. And then there's other times where I'm in a more charitable mood and I will, <laughs> um, I, you know, it, it's funny too, because sometimes people will come up to us and start talking to us. And I have like Oscar asking me to, for something to eat and Olivia's crying. And I'm like, really right now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm a busy mom. Yeah, okay, let's, yeah. let's talk about how, um, our family, we, we talk a lot about the redemptive nature of suffering just with, you know, parents who passed away and, yeah. and just life. I think everybody has things in their life that, that call them to, you know, suffer. And how is this, have, have you embraced that? Um, I mean, I, I can't imagine you haven't, but how is that like, uh, maybe, crystallize the the Catholic teaching of suffering um, in your family? So it's, it's interesting. It's funny because I actually have a quote here that we keep by our computer um, from St. Jose Maria Escriva. Um, And he says, it's bold and brash. I'm just giving you a heads up. (laughs) (laughs) Suffering overwhelms you because you take it like a coward. Meet it bravely with a Christian spirit and you will regard it as a treasure. Yes. Um, And I think that something early on that my husband and I both felt so grateful for was Catholic teaching on suffering. Um, The fact that there's a lot of gray area in our faith and we're asked to sit in it and we're asked to recognize that it's through those trials that get us to heaven. And so um, we can wallow in the suffering or we can work through it and recognize that it's like this refining fire. Um, And, and it actually gave us so much peace and comfort to recognize that this suffering that we're doing here is for a greater good. And, um, 
we were in the NICU for three and a half months, two hours away from home. So we, we say poor Oscar. I mean, he has been such a champion. Um, but right before his second birthday, he all of a sudden moved from a 10 acre property in California where there was like horses and chickens that we were caretaking to inner city, San Francisco, um, with no yard. (laughs) Uh, we were living in basically, it was, uh, the equivalent of a Ronald McDonald house, but like 10 times better family house in San Francisco is an amazing organization that offers free lodging for families that live over 50 miles away from the hospital. They, I cannot speak highly enough of all of the resources that they provided. They have free social work meetings. They have food and dinners and toys for the kids. Um, every time you visit, they give you your family a toy. And we're like, we really don't need any more. <laughs> um, but so, um, you know, we were thrusted into all of the sudden being luckily I have family in San Francisco, so it wasn't totally unfamiliar, but it still wasn't home. And we were living out of suitcases. Um, and we had a lot of conversations about like, this is really hard. There's a lot of things about this that are hard and it didn't necessarily get easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's when you can lean into the fact that like suffering is a part of our life of, because of living in a fallen world, but there's beauty that can come from that and the things that we've learned and the people that that suffering has made us by as you know are doing our best to really follow these words from saint jose maria scrive of meeting it bravely and meeting it with a christian spirit and realizing that it's not all for naught right there right. there is a bigger purpose behind this and it it really has become a treasure and it you know we talk a lot about um, how this experience has shaped our family to just take one day at a time and just recognize that if you can lean into the Lord and into your faith, that things will work out and things are going to work out the way that they are supposed to. If you can, if you can just lean into it and, and be okay with sometimes just not knowing where the next gonna thing happen. is what's going to happen because while we were in the NICU, I ended up losing my job because it was this, I think ridiculous situation where um, <laughs> they said that uh, there was a new executive director that came in who kind of knew what was going on and never once actually reached out to ask the details of what was going on. Right. And the former executive director in respect of my privacy didn't, reveal too much information. Um, and they were like, well, we need you back in the office by Monday. And if you can't come in, then you need to resign. And I was like, well, I'm not going to all of a sudden drop my life with my daughter in the NICU for a job. So I resign. (laughs) Um, and thank you for asking. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, thanks for your compassion on that one. Um, and so, you know, we dealt with job loss. We dealt with then moving to Tennessee and there was just a lot that changed. And I say, poor, poor Oscar, he, every three months he moved for a year. Uh, Um, so, so you mentioned, you mentioned Oscar and, and I know you, um, you have a blog called, and we talked about on the live stream and it's coyotesandsaints.com. Correct. Okay. Um, 
And Fran was mentioning a great blog that you had written about National Sibling Day and mm-hmm. and how his Oscars role, you know, played. Um, and I love how you said that he sometimes will sense people may be looking and he'll go up and just like, yeah, <laughs> call a spade a spade. He'll be yeah. bold in that suffering and, and yeah. go and do it. But how um, can you tell us a little bit about their bond and sort of, you know, maybe responsibility for him as an older yeah. brother and as a sibling and. I think one thing that I'll start with that I think is so fun to watch is that Oscar is so unaware (laughs) of, to him, it's normal. And because he was barely two when she was born um, and because it was flu season when she was born, he actually didn't get to meet her until she was discharged from the hospital. And so for three and a half months, he was hearing about this baby in the hospital, but he never went to her room. He never saw, he saw pictures of her that we would show him. Um, but it just was, it was a very different transition in that way. Um, yeah, but he, one of the blog posts that I wrote about it, about national sibling day, um, is that something that I think happens a lot with, kiddos who have siblings that have visible differences and even siblings that just require a lot more medical attention or appointments or whatever it might be, um, often just kind of get pushed (laughs) to the side about things. And, um, I think I mentioned this in that blog post, but I'll take Oscar to doctor's appointments for him And because we're there so often for Olivia, everyone's talking to Olivia and asking about Olivia. And he actually asked one time to be taken to the doctor's appointment by himself (laughs) because it was his appointment. And he wants to have his turn. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, you're still getting shots, buddy. So, um, you know, I think that there is this thinking that, like, oh, there's this like sweet child that needs extra attention and love and that gets directed towards the kid that's visibly different. And, um, and Oscar is such an extrovert that, you know, people will come up to us and start talking to Olivia and she's kind of like, cool. I don't really want any more attention. And he's sitting there with his bouncy curly hair and is like, hi, (laughs) Um, I'll talk to you forever. And, and I think, something that I've learned in this is that siblings take it on in different, in different ways. And some siblings are going to want to be out there and get attention and some don't. Um, And to just be aware that if there is a gaggle of kiddos (laughs) with a family um, to acknowledge each one of them that, you know, they're also human and in this family and special and cute and, (laughs) <laughs> whatever it like is. Attention um, too. <laughs> yeah, like attention too. Yeah. Like attention to, um, but something that's also really cool is just watching Oscar navigate this really on his own. We haven't done a lot of coaching in any way on how to be a big brother, um, yeah. to Olivia, but he has lived into that role in a lot of ways. And, um, like I said earlier, he doesn't even seem to be aware <laughs> that, that she's, that things are really that different, right. um, even though she, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, life with ichthyosis means that sometimes we don't get to just be spontaneous and mm-hmm. stay the night over at grandma's house because I didn't bring enough lotion or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and he's kind of learned how to just 
be cool with that. Um, part of the condition is also because she can't slough her skin herself. We have a lot of long baths. So mm -hmm. up to two hours, sometimes mm -hmm. three of just sitting in the water and scrubbing. What's great is that Oscar will often just hop into that water with her and they'll play and he'll get in and out and I just kind of let it go. Um, we call we call that recreational bathing in our house. Yeah, what happens yeah. Too? yeah. <laughs> and so that's happening at least every other day, if yeah. not every day. There's some sort of bath that's going on, and so um, you know he. It's just it is also a really humbling experience to mm -hmm. watch how other kids and like siblings, so other family members are just like loving Olivia for who she is and accepting mm -hmm. it and he doesn't see it. And so this is normal life to him. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me to like take a step back and a deep breath sometimes mm -hmm. and realize like this normal is working and it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah. So we, we say o Oscar has been the, the MVP for a lot of this because he's just rolled with it and, a lot of ways so so speaking the, the of, of yeah yeah speaking <laughs> of acknowledging oscar particularly but just families with children with special needs how do how has the church accompanied you how has the church um either come alongside you or not come alongside you how can we do better maybe um is, is there any advice that you would give to us as the church um as catholics um other than just re realizing the dignity of your child i mean i feel like that's yeah. baseline like, <laughs> if we're not there we're having some problems yeah what are some other things that we can do better or some things that the church has done very well yeah i would say uh, i i think one for parents Recog just to recognize that it's a it's just a difficult spot for parents to be in. Um, we've been really lucky because we have a lot of family support and a lot of community support in different ways. But something that you hear from parents a lot is um, you get a lot of like, oh, this must be so difficult. But then there's like, yeah, it is. And can you help? <laughs> but we don't even really know how to ask for help or whatever that might be. And I recently saw something on the internet that was like a, a special needs parent falls into a hole. Um, and like the parents are com like, they're the grandparents are like compassionate and like, Oh, this must be so hard for you. And medical professionals ask you to write a journal so that they can use it <laughs> in um, some sort of publication. And, you know, it goes down the list and then it's another special needs parents that say, here's a ladder and um, I'll let you use mine and I'll show you how I got out of this hole. And I think that that's the piece that it's so hard because unless you've been in the situation, you don't know how to help, mm. but just recognizing that these families are often struggling with a lot of other things. So whether it's financial or like in our case with Olivia, something that's been really hard is that I can't just hire a babysitter yeah. now that she's older, we can, but you know, you hear people say like, Oh, you guys really need a date night. And we're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you're like, but, I'm going to strangle you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like, I can't really just leave them with the 14 year old neighbor because right. if Olivia overheats, what are we going to do? And yeah. so, um, it's just it, things start to get complicated. And so I think 
recognizing that and just being aware of the words that we use when we're, we're, when you're trying to acknowledge that maybe things are hard, sometimes it feels like, great, thank you for rubbing it in my face that this is difficult. It's uh, like when people say, you look so tired. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, because yeah, I am. Uh-huh. Thank, thank you. You noticed, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I would say that where the church has done amazing things is we always feel so welcomed. And, um, you know, at our current parish where we go, where they're, um, I go to a mom's group and there's a, a nursery open. The women that volunteer there were just like ready to learn what they could so that I could That's have awesome. two hours <laughs> at this mom's group. So, um, you know, they, they were quick to tell me like, well, she ate this and she seemed a little itchy. So I put her lotion on. Um, and so those things are just so helpful because then I just don't have to worry about it. Um, and I would say that that's where the most amount of help comes in is when people are kind of ahead of you on it. Yeah. Um, but, and I know for a lot of families that deal with special needs, let's be honest, financial stuff is hard and it, um, there are a lot of community resources that are out there, but it requires so much paperwork Mm -hmm. and just the amount of red tape and just hoops that you have to go through to get some of those resources and something that um, I think would be fantastic is to see ways that we can better support these families without asking a lot of them. Um, I'm, I'm the type of person that I like, I kind of like filling out forms. I don't mind it, (laughs) but um, I get, I mean, and I'm pretty high functioning and there are still systems that I just get so overwhelmed with and Mm -hmm. it just takes a lot. And so when someone's like, Oh, I have this foundation, someone called me one time and was like, we just want to talk to you for 30 minutes about like what your needs are and what you need. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I just got out of the NICU and as much as like we might need money right now, I don't really have 30 minutes that I can figure out what to do with my three-year-old and my baby and have a conversation with you about this. And so I think part of it too is recognizing that the, the help and the support is appreciated, but not when it's putting more of a strain on the family. Um, And so dropping off meal. Yeah. That's yeah. the practical stuff. Meals. Yeah. 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 So dropping off meals, um, gift cards can be really helpful. People who gave us just like target gift cards. What's great about stores like target or Amazon. I know that they're like big box stores and big companies, but what's great about it is that I can use it for anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can buy groceries or diapers or whatever. Um, and so it's that kind of stuff that can be really helpful. Um, and oftentimes these families, and I can speak for our family, it's, I, it can feel really isolating. So we have to turn stuff down, especially in the summer. We want to go to your barbecue, but if it starts at 2 PM, we can't really be outside for long periods mm-hmm. of time without it causing so much stress for us that we're not enjoying ourselves. (laughs) Um, And so just being aware of like, what are ways that we can hang out with you? That's actually helpful for you Um, or that will be enjoyable for you. Um, So just keeping that type of stuff in mind, I think is helpful. 
Um, and even like I said, like the ladies that run the nursery at the church, they're so sweet to like, so she, can she eat goldfish? And, you know, they're asking me all these questions, but it was actually really great because then I never hear from them. <laughs> You're not worried I, about it. Yeah. You I can, peace. You have a little bit of peace, right? Yeah. So I just think that, um, just trying to be aware and we're never going to be perfect in all of yeah. this, but just that in all of our actions and the ways that we're trying to help that we're not actually putting more onto the families, I think is how I would wrap that all up. And um, I think that's often the case is that our best intentions sometimes actually cause stress and um, like unneeded work for mm-hmm. the recipient. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of, I mean, really any parent who has had a newborn <laughs> or a baby understands when people are like, we want to come meet the baby. And you're like, cool. I haven't showered in three days. Like, <laughs> um, our house is a mess. I get that you're saying you don't care, but I care yeah. and yes. it makes me uncomfortable. Can you just drop food off? at the on, door on, on the patio and <laughs> yeah and you'll get to meet the baby when we're ready you know yeah. and and people get their feelings hurt sometimes and I've I've just learned that it's not it's not worth our stress and discomfort mm-hmm. you know what I feel like we need to have a whole nother podcast on <laughs> how not to make your charity someone else's work oh yeah that is like one of my big pet peeves and uh-huh. I think you have put your finger on it in this particular situation so well and so much good food for thought and uh, you have been so enormously generous with your time with us especially in and talking about social justice on the <laughs> on the live stream this week but but also dealing with something that is so um personal and sometimes difficult to talk about in terms of having a special needs child um, with with differences that are easily observed but not easily navigated yeah <laughs> and um i i just so appreciate your your kindness and sharing all of that with us today yeah, thank you for having me <laughs> all right so should we do our last little bits let's do it all right do you do um i don't know if you know this but we always do a last little bit like if there's one tiny thing that you just want to squeeze in um yeah. that you didn't get to say earlier we we go around we say our last yeah. little bit and then we like make we make ourselves stop talking or else we would talk all day. It never ends. It would go on forever. So do you have a last little bit? Um, I think just that at the end of the day, um, if we can all just try to move forward and bravely and realize that we're going to mess up and things are going to get uncomfortable and messy and just be willing to, to enter into that with, each other in relationship, whether we really know the person or not and, um, enter into it with like grace and charity. And I think that that would, you would be surprised how the, the feeling of discomfort is so minimal compared to how much better you feel at the end of it. And so just work through the, the trudge, trudge through it a little bit and, and just persevere and it'll be fine. (laughs) That's awesome. Fran, do you have a last little bit? I do. And I'm going to piggyback off of what Natalie just talked about in terms of um, being charitable and kind. I'm reading a book right now. I'm working very slowly through it. And I may have even mentioned it before, but it's The Hidden Power of Kindness. It is a fantastic book by Father Lovasick. And there is um, a chapter... uh, 
towards the kind of beginning-ish, middle-ish of the book, it's on page 55, um, that talks about the enemies of charity and how to overcome them with certain considerations. And the four things that he recommends, and this is just my last little bit here, are number one, do not allow pride to cloud your vision. Um, number two, recall your own faults. Number three, appreciate the differences between people. And number four, remember your duty as a genuine Christian. He elaborates on all four of those four points. So I would just encourage anybody, if you need a book, if, it's, if you're in the heat of summer and you want to stay inside and read a book, this book, um, The Hidden Power of Kindness, is fantastic. You can work slowly through it, and um, it is just fantastic. So that's what I have to say. Fran, Fran always has a good book, Rick. Okay, my last little bit is going to be just a, a programming note. Fran and I are both going to be out of pocket next Wednesday when we normally do our live stream. So we have guests who are taking over the Facebook and Twitch live stream for us. Um, so our guests will be Jason and Aaron Polmeyer, and they are contributors to the blog. They've both been on the live stream before. Um, Jason's a deacon and a principal at a Catholic school in our Arkansas and his wife um, is a mama to six. They got six babies, babies today. Six babies. And um, so anyway, so they are going to talk about saints and how the saints have uh, influenced their marriage and um, and freedom because we'll start our freedom um, topic that month on July 1st. So it'll be July 1st. Anyways, join them, <laughs> watch them. They're going to be awesome. Um, but we are going to be gone and we'll miss you and we'll see you the following week. Yes, indeed. All right. Thanks everyone for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you, Natalie. It was so great to see you today. Thank Thanks. you for having me. Thanks guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye y'all. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.